Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and physical therapy pearls of wisdom to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is really to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. Okay, do you like wine? Do you drink wine? If you don't, you might not be as interested. However, you might have people in your life that like to drink wine, and it's really important to understand what you're consuming. I mean, this is what we do the podcast. We want you to understand your body, what you're putting in, and what you're doing with your body, right? Well, we have Todd on the podcast today. So Todd White is the founder of Dry Farm Wines, which is the premier health-qualified wine merchant that sources pure natural wines and lab tests to ensure each bottle is sugar-free, low in sulfates and lower in alcohol. And we'll talk about why that's all important and what that actually means because organic doesn't necessarily mean that it's natural. And it's kind of mind boggling, but Todd's going to talk about it all. And through his years as an entrepreneur, he really has, like he's a self-described biohacker. (laughs) He wants to just educate people on making better choices about food, nutrition, and health and how they're really consuming alcohol. So he's not just pushing dry farm wines, which is bonkers to me because trust me, after I've had it, it is the best wine I've ever tasted. This red wine is ridiculous. And we'll talk about why that is all of that again in the episode. So tune in. Now we actually have a unique link for you as well. So if you want to check out more about the wines, you can go right now to dryfarmwines with an s.com slash optimal. And you can check it out with that link. Actually, if you subscribe and you get some wines, you get a free, well, essentially a free bottle for one penny. So it's not free. It's one penny. However, you go check it out grab your first subscription, get another bottle for only one penny and check out the wines yourself and tune in. You'll hear all about it. Todd, we're so excited to have you in today just to talk about a topic that we don't really cover a ton, which is wine and good wines. But I know that our audience really appreciates knowing how to find good quality products and make sure that they know what to look for when making sure they're going to be putting good high quality things in their body. Yeah, it's you know it's a real challenge because the problem is there's no transparency in the wine business. Yeah. And for those of us who care about what we put in our body, we're, we're consumed with what we eat and how we treat our body and how we think about consciousness and uh, drinking and consciousness and all kinds of things. And the problem is in the wine industry that there's no transparency. So you have no idea why you're looking at labels and contents and trying to figure out what you're putting in your body every time you digest something that's not whole and raw and you know the source of it, then you're depending upon disclosures to understand what's in it before you put it into your your temple. And the problem with wine is that you don't have that option because the wine industry spent millions of dollars in lobby money to keep contents labeling off of wine bottles because they don't really want you to know what's in it. Mm-hmm. And so That's many nice. people just don't, haven't thought, they think, oh, drinking wine is healthy. You know, it's the healthy choice if I want to drink. But actually, many times it's not. Yeah, it's it's rough out there, I will say. And honestly, I actually had dry farm wines. It was I think two years ago during the Paleo FX and there was an event and you guys were hosting and and serving the wine and it was amazing, but there's so much other stimulus and stuff happening. And it wasn't until this last weekend, last weekend that we, we tried the wine again and oh 
my goodness, like I am not just saying this because you're a guest, but truly <laughs> I've been telling everyone it was wine that I've never tasted before. The red, I haven't tried any of the others yet, but the red was just the best wine I've ever had. And now I never want to go back to other wines. Yeah, commercial wines are filled with additives and all kinds of enhancements to make them richer, bolder, bigger, to appeal to, you know, the dead American palate. So the problem with, as you know, when you eat processed foods and a high sugar, high fat, healthy, unhealthy fat diet. So when you eat a lot of seed oils and and processed foods and high sugar diet, your palate, it it dies off a bit. Your palate becomes blunted. Mm. And so now conversely, when you eat a whole real food diet, raw, meaning wild, organic, locally sourced, things that you, when you eat that way, when you eat in this lighter fashion, then your palate really responds to that and it becomes more alive and you taste things differently. Consequently, when you drink a living wine, a natural wine, like what we sell, and also at lower alcohol, because alcohol actually stifles your palate as well because it's hot. Mm. And so when you drink a lighter wine that's lower in alcohol and additive free, it tastes different and it's more appealing to palates like ours because we of the way that we eat and the way we respond to food, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And you use this term, uh, natural wine. Can you talk a little bit about what what are like the, the qualifications to be considered a natural wine versus a conventionally farmed wine? Well, it's a very, to start with, it's a very confusing term to consumers because they say, well, what is a natural wine? Isn't all wine natural? So let's talk about the wine industry for just one second, kind of what's happened there and how we got where we are. So. 50 or 60 or 70 years ago, all wines were natural until the advent of modern additives and farming practices started to change in the 1920s with the intervention and introduction of chemical farming. So farming has been under assault. The earth has been under assault. The soil has been under assault for since the 1920s. But winemaking practices really evolved significantly 50 or 60 years ago. And so a natural wine, unlike a conventional wine, has three cornerstones. So one, natural wines are always organically or biodynamically grown. Biodynamic farming is a prescriptive advanced form of organic farming. So they're either biodynamic or organically farmed. Number two, they are always fermented with indigenous wild native yeast. Now, what does that mean? When you ferment wine, wine is made when yeast, either introduced into the wine or already present in the way of an indigenous wild yeast, comes in contact with the sugar and the yeast activates. It starts to eat the sugar. And the byproduct of the yeast-eating sugar is carbon dioxide and ethyl alcohol. That's how you make wine. That is the foundation of winemaking. So wild native yeast are present in every vineyard in the world and on the skin of every grape at the time of harvest. It is a white, waxy-looking film. You can scrape it off with your fingernail. Mm. But it's present on all wine grapes at maturity in the time of harvest. 
With commercial wines, what they do is introduce an additive called sulfur dioxide to kill this native yeast. And, in, and, and they then inoculate the sugary grape juice that's been pressed from the grapes. They inoculate it with a genetically modified lab-grown yeast for the fermentation. Now, the reason they do that is because these native yeast are very fragile, very difficult to work with, and require a lot of coddling. Native yeast also break down quite easily because of their fragility, and you can't make wine in very large volumes with these native yeasts. They're also easily killed if alcohol levels get too high, which is quite common in commercial wines. Mm-hmm. So these genetically modified lab-grown yeast are engineered to be sturdy, easy to work with, and you can make wine in very large volumes using these very strong and sturdy lab-grown yeast. We don't really know what this means from a health point of view. Um, there's not really any science around it, but, but you know, generally speaking, I like to eat and drink in the most natural and wild way possible. So these indigenous native yeasts also impart a different flavor profile. One of the other characteristics of a lab-grown engineered yeast is that you can buy it in flavor profiles, and you might You might think of this in the same way that you think of sourdough bread, which has been sort of a, you know, a Mm -hmm. uh, had a resurgence during the pandemic as baking did. But (laughs) sourdough breads are influenced by their mother or the mother yeast. And that's where you get these different flavor profiles, for example. And bread comes from different flavor profiles from the mother yeast. So same thing happens in wine, the, the more natural and the more whole and pure the yeast is imparts a different flavor than an engineered yeast, which is one of the reasons that natural wines taste different. So again, biodynamic, organic, fermented with wild native yeast, and finally, they're additive free. Now, what does that mean? Well, there are 76 additives approved by the FDA for the use in winemaking. Everything I'm sharing with you, by the way is easily verifiable by a simple Google search. And if you search FDA-approved wine additives, you'll see the list. It's a government document. Mm-hmm. So there are 76 additives approved by the, by the FDA for the use in winemaking. Now, the reason you don't know about that or know about any of the additives is because, as I mentioned earlier, the wine industry spent a lot of la- lobbying money in Washington, D.C. to keep contents labels off of wine bottles. So these 76 additives, in fairness, some of them are natural and some of them are toxic. Problem is you don't know which ones you're drinking. Yeah. And so in a natural wine, you're not drinking any of them because it's additive free. So, I mean, a lot of what you're talking about really requires you to know a lot about where your grapes come from and, and being able to, like you say, allow conscious consumers to be able to understand exactly where these are coming from, what's in them. And I know that you guys really focus on buying from these small batch farmers, family farms and stuff. Does that really help you understand exactly that growing process all the way along uh, from planting to creating the wine? Well, we vet every farm with a strict set of criteria, but it's, it's worth mentioning that the natural wine community is very small. 
there's only about 1,200 growers in the world. Most of them are in Europe. Yeah. Uh, there's a handful in the United States. We don't sell domestic wine because there are no U.S. wines that meet all of our standards for health and purity. Yeah. So the wines we sell, we have five producers in South Africa. We have a couple dozen in South America, and the rest of them are spread across Europe. They're all very small family farms. Again, when you use native yeast for fermentation, you cannot make wine in large volumes. So these are just small, you know, families. Most of the families, the entire family works on the farm. In most cases, these are people who eat and consume only what they produce on their farm or the farm of their neighbors. It's a it's a very distinct way of life. Yeah. Um, they're very rural. They you know, it's they're very small, and you know, it's a family business, uh, not large businesses, because again, you can't make wine in large volumes. You also can't farm wine. All of our wines are dry farm. Now, what does that mean? The name of our company is Dry Farm Wines. So, while this is not a strict criteria of natural wine, it is generally accepted, but a requirement we have, and that is that. All wines are dry farm, meaning that they're grown without irrigation. And there's a whole bunch of reasons about why irrigation is bad for wine. It's also bad for the planet, right? And so, you know, we, we require all of our wines be dry farm. Now, this again, dry farming places a limitation on the amount of wine that you can produce because dry farming is more expensive. It's also more difficult, more labor intensive. And so, again, it compresses this kind of concept of, of high yield production. Same thing with organic farming. Now, organic farming can be done in, you know, in, in, in higher volumes. It's not the same sort of limitation that this native yeast fermentation or even um, dry farming is. Dry farming places a significant limitation on, on yield. It might not surprise you that when you fill a grapevine with water that and liquid nitrogen, which is how it gets its food, if it's irrigated, it's getting, it's getting liquid nitrogen as a source of food or fertilizer. It might not surprise you that a couple of things happen. One, you get bigger clusters and higher yield. Higher yield, meaning there's more grapes on the cluster itself. So you get a bigger cluster. You get a more robust cluster of fruit. Number two, when you pump the fruit with water, right, and mm -hmm. it becomes, gets a lot of water saturation, the fruit weighs more. Now, that's important because fruit's sold by the ton. So the more it weighs, the more it's worth. Mm -hmm. So not only do we have a bigger cluster, we've got a cluster that weighs more. But on the downside of that, a couple of other problems, three in particular. One, you don't have the character of fruit because character of fruit, it, like the human body, the plant grows and, and produces strength and character when it struggles, just like we do. Resi resistance builds power, right? Just like the mm -hmm. human body, when we do resistance training or we are fasting or um, we face resistance, we grow stronger. Yeah. And same thing for the plant. So when it struggles in its search for nutrient and water, 
um, it produces a, a fruit of much higher character and quality. It's also not diluted in its flavor complex by this water. The other problem with filling the berry with water is that we have to reach much higher sugar content in the fruit, which is known as bricks and grapes. So the higher the sugar at the time of harvest will determine the outcome of the alcohol amount in the wine. So the higher the sugar at harvest, the higher the corresponding alcohol will be when the fermentation completes because mm. there's more sugar to eat by the yeast, then it creates more alcohol. So you, it leads to higher alcohol wines. So, you know, one of the things that we also talk a lot about, in addition to natural wines and irrigation and additive free and, and organic or biodynamic farming is alcohol. And this surprises a lot of people to hear, you know, the wine guy who they think's job is to sell wine, which is not true. My job is to educate people and let them make the choice that they need to make in order to make a conscious drinking decision if they're going to drink. This next statement surprises people to hear from me, and that is that alcohol is a dangerous and highly addictive neurotoxin. Mm -hmm. And we need to be conscious of how we think about our drinking, which is why we only sell low alcohol wines. We have wines as low as 7%. And none higher than 12.5%. It's very important in living a conscious life to think about how we drink. Some people shouldn't drink at all. So, but, but our job is to educate if you're going to drink, and which is me, I love wine. If you're going to drink, we think you should be informed and we think you should have the opportunity to make healthy choices. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. And Dom and I are nodding our heads. And, you know, it, it's funny, some of the processes you talk through right now, I'm like, oh, I remember that because we did go to Europe and we got to see uh, some different wineries and some were very small, family owned and hear their processes of what of how they they create the wine. And what I think is interesting that I learned there is that they do have a way that you can tell, you know, the quality of the wine. They label them. They have they're DOCG, DOC. DOC and yeah. IGT. And they have different ranking yeah. systems between like, you know, the wines that they create in Italy versus France. And I'm not sure if you're understanding what we're trying to describe. It's like the the national ranking systems of the wines. But and we don't have that here. Yeah, we don't have any any criteria here. And I, I heard you say like you don't really use any grapes from America because it's hard. It's really hard <laughs> to find that yeah. well, you know, grown grape here in America. So um, where do you think that what you do kind of matches up to these different ranking systems of different countries like France and Italy, or do you think the criteria are just different? Well, e each of the appellations uh, or countries, depending upon where it is, have uh, various criteria that farmers must meet uh, in order to wear that designation from the country as it would be in Italy or in France, it's more appellation driven. Uh, so you have different rules in Burgundy or different rules in Bordeaux. That doesn't necessarily mean that those grapes or farming practices are natural or, or, or any better than many commercial wines. So just mm. because wine is from Europe or carries a designation mm. doesn't mean that it's any more healthy than other commercial wines necessarily. 
here, here's how we think about this. One of the things I want to cover, because we're coming up on time in about 10 minutes, one of the things I want to cover is one of the questions that you kind of posed in the introduction was, how do we think about finding these wines, right? So how do we know if a wine is better for us than another wine? And the problem is because of these labeling standards and the lack of transparency in the, in the industry, both domestically and internationally. So in the EU, there are 56 additives approved by the EU, not the 76 that we have here. So there are a few less. But, you know, greed has been a very strong emotion, particularly in the last 50 years in business. And it has become a global problem. It, you know, America led America led greed and business and scale. In America, we like to scale everything, right? Including greed. So, you know, one of the things that I want to get back to, how do we think about finding a healthier wine? But thinking about scale in the United States, 52% of all the wines manufactured, don't say made, they're made in factories here. 52% of all the wines manufactured in the United States were made by just three giant companies. Mm. This is scaled through massive corporate consolidation over the last particularly 30 years, but kind of over the last, you know, Wall Street has been very pervasive in providing financial tools to scale business. And so that's happened in the wine industry as well. The top 30 wine companies in the U.S. make just over 70% of all U.S. wines. So when you go in the grocery store or into a wine shop, and you see hundreds or thousands of bottles of wine on long shelves. Most of those wines are made by just a handful of companies. Wow. They don't want you to know that. So they hide behind thousands of labels and brands to confuse you, mm. right? They don't want you to know you're drinking from a factory. They're located in these factories. Most of them are located in the Central Valley of California. Mm-hmm. And there's, they're multiple football fields long, just huge, huge factories. You can see them online if you do Google search for uh, these wine factories that are in Central California. Also, also called tank farms because these tank wine tanks of wine are just as far as you can see. And so these factory wines, they hide behind these labels. See, there are three ways that people buy wine. They buy wine through a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, they buy wine through the label. Right? They think the label's pretty or the labels mean something to them. Yeah. Or they buy wine through ratings. And so, you know, you have, quote, experts who rate wines. And so that's how people, these are the three ways that people choose a wine. And with the label, they oftentimes want to suggest to you that you might be drinking wine from a farmhouse or a small chateau. This kind of marketing, right? Uh, you know, little house wine or they have this kind of little farmhouse on there but in fact most of these wines are made in factories and so that's sort of how that's what's happened in this kind of greed it's not it's not an american exclusive issue any longer i mean it's greed has scaled all over the planet and particularly across europe so just because the wine's european doesn't mean that it is great or any, any healthier for you. I just want to make that point. But when I think about the problem is in buying natural wine, there's, there is no certification or designation for the category yet. Mm. Categories, 
pretty young, although this is historically an antiquity, the way wines have been made for thousands of years, but it didn't become a need to identify it from a commercial wine until the last few decades. And the natural wine industry, the revolution as we call it today, is only about six or seven years old. And so uh, there isn't yet a certification process for the natural wine category. Uh, France just announced in the summer of 2020 that they would be the first country to, um, to certify natural wines and label them as such. This is a terrific step forward in transparency for consumers to be able to look on a bottle and know that it has a certification. Today, there is no certification for natural wines, although Dry Farm Wines, my company, has a certification process. And we publish lab results. We do independent lab testing. We publish all of this data to our customers so that they can see the actual lab results. They can see that our wines are sugar-free, that they are additive-free. And we have a certification that they're dry farm, that they are below 12.5% alcohol. We certify all these things. But other than coming from us, there's no other way to really know if a wine is natural or not. So here's what you can do. There's a wine app called Raisin. It works on smartphones. It's a map-based locator app. It works quite well, although it's not as popular in the U.S. as it is in Europe because there's not as much natural wine options here. But mm -hmm. Raisin works well in New York and San Francisco and Los Angeles. If you live in a larger metropolitan market, you probably can get access to natural wines at retail or in restaurants. And this smartphone app will identify restaurants or retailers or wine bars that specialize in natural wine. And if you live in a large metropolitan area uh, in New York, Brooklyn, and the East Village are kind of the hubs of natural wine, particularly in Brooklyn, but also in the East Village, in Los Angeles, Silver Lake, and Culver City and some of the West Side and Santa Monica and Venice, you will find some natural wine. So it's it's very difficult to find unless you're in a large, large market where there are people who are interested in this. Other than that, you know, if you don't buy it from us, then you're going to um, you do a Google search. Uh, maybe you'll find information on natural wines in in your market. There's a little bit in Miami, some in Dallas. Again, you're going to be in a larger market to find it, but if you're in smaller markets, it's going to be virtually impossible. One thing I'd cover, you know, if you are going to just drink European wine and hope that you're getting a healthier and better product, we suggest that you look for lower alcohol wines. Just for whatever reason, lower alcohol producers, meaning 12 and a half and below, lower alcohol producers tend to produce a healthier wine. They tend to produce a less intervention, a lower intervention wine. That just sort of how it works. Also, drinking less alcohol for reasons that I mentioned earlier about its toxicity. Mm -hmm. Just drinking lower alcohol wines is going to be healthier for you in general. It's also going to lead to lower and less hangover and other negative impacts because alcohol dehydrates us. And, and we know and believe and science tells us that alcohol in moderate doses can produce beneficial side effects, both biologically and neurologically. But, but we also know, on the other hand, that excessive or binge uses of alcohol are equally as, as 
as negative. Mm-hmm. So again, I, I think about alcohol as I think about drinking natural wine, a wine that's living with living bacteria in it. So there's so many things to cover in 30 minutes, but yeah. but natural wines are still alive because they haven't been sterilized with sulfur dioxide. And so what happens when we sterilize a wine, all commercial wines are sterilized. And they're sterilized for long shelf life. They're sterilized to uh, to kill bacteria that can create bottle-to-bottle variation. They can create an aliveness in the wine that some people don't understand. It, you can just taste the, the life in the wine. But these living bacteria, as Dr. David Perlmutter has posted a number of times about natural wines and our wines, uh, is that these living bacteria are very beneficial to the gut microbiome. Mm. So, you know, there's a lot of advantages to drinking natural wines because, again, one further advantage is that they haven't been sterilized. Finding them is, you know, it's just very hit and miss. And one thing I'd cover in wrapping up sort of, if you're going to drink wines, you know, look for cooler regions in central France like Beaujolais or places where You'll find lower sugar in the wine, in the berries, which leads to lower alcohol and a, and a healthier wine. And, and final, if you see an organic wine, that doesn't mean it's natural. So if you go in the grocery store and you're drinking organic wine, that doesn't mean that it's a natural wine. All natural wines are organic, but not all organic wines are natural. Yeah. And the other thing I, I, I would mention, because I think most of a lot of your audience probably goes to farmers markets. And I like to think of drinking natural wine, organic natural wine, um, from small family farms where there's just passion and love about the earth and the soil and about how these families spiritually relate to the earth and to plants and to biodiversity and to this kind of hippie, you know, crazy advocate. They're just hippie advocates for this kind of way of life, this natural way of life, these farmers. And, and I use this example to understand the, how powerful that is. When you go to the farmer's market and you see these vegetables that are grown by small family farms, and you see the farmers there because the farmers are the ones who are selling it, right? They're not staffed by a lot of helpers. They're usually staffed by the people who grow it. And you look at these vegetables and you marvel in their beauty and you want to photograph them. They're so vibrant and they, they're just so big and lush and amazing in their colors. And they look so beautiful and healthy and so vibrant. Well, th- you go to Whole Foods where everything is organic, but it doesn't have that same look, right? Yeah. So it's what I call an industrial organic. Right. So, yes, it's organically grown and yes, that's better, but it's not the same love and care that the vegetable from that small family farm got. I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. And wine is exactly the same way. I love it. And I love how you talk about this because I can just feel your passion when you talk about wine and, and the integrity behind what it means to make really, really good wines. And I think you were talking about this earlier before we started recording about just the industrialization of wine and how you know we cater to that different palate that you were actually mentioning a little bit earlier in this recording, but um, it, it's that higher alcohol content, that extra sugar that gets pumped into it based on using the not natural yeast and stuff. 
and just the huge element of greenwashing where yeah. people put all these things on labels that make it look like even even just the picture it's like of a cabin or of someplace on a hillside and it makes you think that the wine is natural but really it's not and i love how you want to approach things with this transparency forward mission of I mean, it's so cool on the backs of the wines, you can actually see the highlighted region of where the grapes are from and the percentage of the different grapes that went into that batch of wine. And you guys at Dry Farms are really kind of leading that way in that transparency battle and helping people get the wine wherever they're at. You you tried to, you know, mention that other app that helps people find wines in their area, but we're encouraging them to go to you guys because <laughs> regardless of where you're at, we're in a really rural area in Minnesota and yeah. we still had the natural wines from dry farm wines delivered right to us i think we have a link dryfarmwines.com backslash optimal and you get an extra bottle of natural wine for just a penny when you use that so if you're looking to get some good natural wines especially if you're in a rural area where you might not be able to find it dry farms is helping bring that access everywhere now which is incredible and you guys are not in the store correct we're not we don't We don't sell to restaurants or retailers. We actually have a challenge getting enough of this wine because it's so rare. We have a challenge getting enough just to satisfy the demand of our customers. But, (laughs) and I mean, just like barely can do it. So no, we don't, we don't sell to restaurants or retailers, only direct home delivery to 44 states. So virtually everywhere in the country. But I mean, you guys really do an incredible, incredible job. And I just appreciate your transparency in what you've brought in this industry and how you're educating. I mean, that's what you said you want to do. You want to educate first. And it's truly what you're you're completely doing. And especially in the States, this is what is needed. We need to understand what's happening in the process in order for us to be better consumers. So thank you for your knowledge, for your education in this space, for bringing a product that we can actually trust. It's hard nowadays and and you're doing it. So I just, I highly, highly appreciate it. And it's delicious, like mm-hmm. hands down, best wine I've had ever. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you guys doing what you do and helping educate more people about living a, a better, more conscious life. Well, thank you so much, Todd. Uh, we're definitely going to link that up in the show notes and everything. So you guys can go check out Dry Farm Wines, check out their Instagram, check out who they're partnering with and, and what they're doing in this world. I think what you guys are up to is is pretty incredible. Fascinating, right? <laughs> I hope you learned a ton in that episode. It was fascinating to me. Todd is such a good educator when it comes to really understanding this stuff. And again, if you want to go check out the wines, dryfarmwines.com slash optimal. You subscribe, get your wines, get another wine for only one penny. And it is so delicious. I just cannot like overemphasize how much I miss having this red wine when I don't have it around and I don't ever want to have another red wine outside of his. Like, I'm not kidding. I think I said this a million times in the interview, but it's true. So go check it out, especially if you love your wines. And don't forget to subscribe. If you like the podcast, if you're listening, if you're tuning in, please rate and leave us a review. It just helps so that more people are able to get help, access into their body and understand how they can find optimal within their own life. See you next week when we dive in on more things about health, wellness, and keeping you healthy.